heights to the depths of the sea. So David went up, verse 30, by the ascent of the Mount of Olives, again going eastward. And he wept as he went up, and, and he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went. To the fragrance of spring Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God Oh, powerful, untamable Awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As David left the city and climbed the Mount of Olives, he wept. This shows David was a redeemed man. Some would say that God let David off easy, that he deserved the death penalty for adultery and murder. You might say, if God forgave him and spared David that penalty, surely David would just do it again. Those who think this way don't understand how grace and forgiveness work in the heart of the redeemed. David's sin was always before him, and in a strange combination of deep gratitude and honor over his forgiven sin, David never did it again. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. Deathbed tonight that still have not given their will completely over to God. Are they going to heaven? Yes. But have they missed out on a great portion of their life of, of surrender and real service to the, to the King of Kings? Yes. So get to that place. Don't be afraid when God wants to break you. And if your life is filled with heartache and pain and you're, you're, you're recognizing the, the, the sin in yourself, the frailty, and you're aware of all these things within you, you're in good company. Because when you read David's Psalms and when you see David going through what he's going through tonight, you're like, you know, I'm in good company. I'm in good company. And I don't need to fear it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that things are always rosy and all the birds are shining, you know, the, the sun is shining all the time and the birds are chirping and everything is just going well for you. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult. But we need to worship Jesus nonetheless. But brokenness is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. So notice... As he's fleeing Jerusalem, notice verse 24, And there was Zadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Because remember, they're going from Jerusalem, and um, going down the Kidron Valley, and then going up the western slope of the Mount of Olives, and then they were going to continue going into the... Um, actually, it's on this side, Rich. And uh, they're going over toward the east. 
out of trouble, out of the sight of Absalom. So they set down the ark, and Abiathar went up until all people had crossed over from the city. And then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. You know, one of the things that I've learned and I'm still learning is, again, like we said, uh, like I said earlier, is to surrender to the Lord as soon as possible especially when it's in areas of my life uh, where it's my will, and my will is getting in the way of God's will. You know, just surrender, just surrender. Learn to surrender and be broken. And this is where I believe David's heart was at. He wasn't holding on to anything. He was willing to just surrender to the Lord's will. And he knew that having the ark with him did not guarantee any outcome. Do you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 4 when the, the children of Israel, under the leadership of Saul... They went out into the battle against the Philistines and they took the Ark of the Covenant foolishly into battle with them, thinking that just because uh, you know, the, the tablets of stone were in there and, and, the, and the omer of, of, of uh, manna and Aaron's rod, you know, they, they, they associated that to be like the, the presence of God, which to them it was. But it wasn't a rabbit's foot. It wasn't some talisman for, talisman for good. And yet they treated it like that. And David knew better. He's like, you know what? Take that ark back to the city where it belongs because my relationship is not with a box. My relationship is the God of the box, (laughs) the God of everything that's inside that box. I don't need the ark. Keep it safe. But my relationship is in God. And that's a really good thing for us to remember. Remember, he created all things. He created the ark. He gave the blueprint for it. He created the gold that it was made of. He created the stone that, the, that the, the law was engraved on, that he engraved with his own finger. He has all things. And so David didn't treat it like some luck charm, and he knew that a relationship of God was more important than anything else. He didn't take any, in any confidence in any object rather than the confidence in the one who made that object. And this is rightly placed devotion and worship. When our focus is on Jesus and not on anything else, that is rightly, rightly placed devotion. And people place their devotion in so many things. They can place their devotion in a, in a famous pastor, you know, whoever it may be, and they look up to him and they're just, you know, and, and, and they ought not to do that. They've got to be really careful of that. Focus on Christ. He is the one that saved your soul. Nobody else on earth. And it's okay to look up to someone and say, I want to follow you as you follow Christ, but when you mess up, I'm still going to follow Christ. right? So we have to keep a light touch on God's servants, but keep a great touch. Hold on to his leg like a child does to its father. I remember when, I was, uh, when Ariana was much younger, we used to have these leg rides, and I would, she would grab my leg, and, and, and I would just drag her around the house, and I'd even go upstairs, and I'd drag her and go up the stairs, you know, and she'd just be having all of her legs and arms wrapped around my leg, and that's the way we need to be with the Lord. Stick to him, cleave to him, and hold on to him, because you need to. You and I need to cleave to Christ, but we have to let go of everything else. Let go of the world. There's enough of the world in the church. We don't need any more world. We need more Jesus. We need to be hanging on to him and having a light touch on everything else. And happy is the man who, or woman who gets to that place quicker than anybody else. You're going to be much more blessed. 
And so notice verse 26, but David said, but if, if, he, if, if God says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. And again, this is a man who's resigned to the will of God, and this is what a man who has been broken looks like. You look at David's life in this, this is what brokenness looks like, a good brokenness. The world would say David's full of, he, he doesn't have any self-esteem. Poor guy, he needs to go to a class to learn how to build his self-esteem. He's so down on himself and looking down. Upon, no, you know what? The problem with America and with most of us is that we have too much self-esteem. We think too much about ourselves. That's our problem. It is. It's a problem. But it's when we think little of ourselves. Then we can be useful in the hand of God. We can't disappoint ourselves when you don't really think there's a lot there. Save what the Spirit of God is doing in you. And that's what we need to be thinking of. Don't worry about your self-esteem. We need to be Christ-esteemed. I need to be thinking about him and less of myself. Amen? And even though David knew that he was forgiven, he also was willing to submit himself to the Lord's chastening, which is really what this is, because Nathan had told him that. He was willing to undergo the chastening of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 12, just write the reference down, and I'll just read it to you for the sake of time. Hebrews 12, verse 3, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Obviously here, the author of Hebrews is speaking of Jesus. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. And here he quotes uh, Job uh, chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Um, the author does. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Boy, that is a different message than what the world would like to give. You know, this is not some good old boy club. You know, Christianity is, we don't wink at sin, even in people that we know and love. We don't wink at it and say, oh, you're in the church, man, that's okay. No, we, we rebuke them. We love them enough to tell them the truth. You don't have to be mean about it, but isn't, isn't it wonderful when you can go to somebody and you have the relationship with one another? That we, can, we, we, really, we, we need to be that. We need to be iron sharpening iron. We need to be that toward one another. We can't let that. We've got to raise the bar because the bar is pretty high. And we, we can't give any provision for the flesh because if we do, if we give an inch, believe me, the flesh will take a mile. It will, and you know this from your own life. I know it from my own life. If I give it an inch, it'll take a mile. If I give it a mile, it'll take three miles. If I give it three miles, it's going to take ten miles. And so on it goes until I'm living a life of complete hedonism and lost in, in my mess, right? But notice what it says in, in Hebrews. is if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. And what son is there whom after a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it is painful. Has anybody experienced that? Is chastening by the Lord easy to, to, to go through? No, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. But if you are chastened of the Lord, happy are you. What you ought to fear is when you're not going through chastening and your conscience perhaps has become seared 
and you're no longer feeling guilty about that sin that you do. When that happens, you're in a really bad place. Thank God for his conviction. His conviction is a wonderful gift for us. The gift of repentance is a wonderful gift. I pray for that often. Lord, give me the gift of repentance. It is. It's a gift. It's something that we have to do, but it's a mystery. But when you finally get to that point where you're like, you know, I'm done with this. I really am done with this. I don't like anything about it. I don't like what it does for me, my relationship with God. I hate what it does to my heart. And there comes a point where you're like, you know what? I really have experienced the pain enough, and I'm done with that sin. There's plenty more, but I'm done with that. I'm done with it. Will you be done with your sin? I love what it says in Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 19. As Jesus is writing this letter to the Laodicean church, he says this, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That's a really good word. And behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I love that. See, that's God's design. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to go away. He wants you to draw near. But we have to leave our sin. We have to turn away from it and come to him. And that's what David, he willingly surrendered these things. He was willing to undergo the chastening of God, knowing very well that his sin was forgiven. He was already forgiven, but he's also willing to take it on the chin because when we sin, there are things in motion that happen that just God doesn't remove those all the time. He may lessen it, but he is not obligated, and he seems to allow the consequences to follow. And that's the bitter pill. And that's where David was. He's like, you know, I know I've been forgiven, Laura, but you know what? Because of what I've done, I have no right to say anything. I have no reason to speak anymore. For you are faithful and just in all that you do. I accept what you want. And that is a broken man. Oh, man, I hope I get like that. Where I no longer fight him and say, but, 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 I didn't mean it, Lord, but somebody else made me do it. The devil made me do it. And he's like, no, you, you did it. Owning your sin. But are you still willing to fight with God or are you willing to surrender to Him? Are you, willing, are you still willing to fight with Him? Are you willing to be broken? And this question is not only for the unbeliever, but it's for the believer as well. The unbeliever needs to come to Christ and be broken. But also, the believer needs to be broken as well. And it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is near to those who, are, who have a broken heart, and such as have a contrite spirit. This was a psalm of David, and he knew a thing or two about this, didn't he? He said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and all those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. And the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who, put, who trust in him shall be condemned. And David, again, what great authority as he wrote that psalm. Because he knew firsthand. You know, it's one thing to hear about something, 
to hear about the Word of God, but when you actually have lived the Word of God, you own that Scripture. You can say with authority, this is what happened to me, and this is what God did in my life. And when you get to that place, your, your, your life, you're like a living epistle, as Peter tells us, right? You're a walking letter. You're a walking ambassador. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, it says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him. Notice, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God loves brokenness. He loves contriteness. When it's genuine, he loves it. Are you there? Do you want to be there? Are you willing to be broken? Or are you like that stallion that refuses to take the bit and the bridle? You've been living your life out in the, in the wild and doing and, and all kinds of crazy things, and somebody comes along and wants to put a bit and a bridle on you and put a saddle on you, and you kick and you fight and you spit and you kick, <laughs> and it takes a while for that horse to be broken. That horse has to be broken. Its will has to be submitted to the rider, to the owner of that horse, to the one who puts the bridle in and, the, and everything and the saddle. It takes time. And when that horse finally is broken, the master can choose and point that horse wherever he wants. And see, you and I don't often get to that place of brokenness like a stallion. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. But wouldn't it be better just to finally, really in your heart of hearts, say, Lord, I'm, I want to be done. I'm done fighting you. I'm done fighting for what I want to get out of my life. I want to surrender to you. And that's where David was. It's a great place. And notice what it says in verse 27. The king said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city with the ark. Go in peace and your two sons with you. Ahimaaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Now, what David is, what's happening here is David is telling them to go back and to be a mole for him, in a sense. And subterfuge or deceit like this is not really something that the Lord is into. But in the, in the times of battle and in a situation like this, it happens it happens, and so now David has his men on the inside. We're going to see another one uh, coming shortly who's going to do the very same thing. David's going to have at least five or six guys back in Absalom's palace to kind of be ears on the ground to hear what Absalom is doing. And so um, uh, he's going to have these moles in the administration. So verse 29, Therefore Zadok and Abiathar, they carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. And I think of what faithful men these are. You know, They really wanted to be with David. They had no idea what Absalom was going to do to them because they knew that he was, they were faithful to David. And if you know anything about warfare, the, the last thing you want to be is the one whom David really liked and you were close to David and now there's a new administration and you go in there. What are they going to do? They're going to fire you. Or back in this time, they might even kill you. So these men are are willingly putting their life on the line, going into Absalom's administration now, going back to Jerusalem, submitting to David. And oh, how they must have loved this man. How they must have loved him. And they're like, you know what? It's easy for us because we're willing to die with you, David. 
we'd be willing to go with you. And if they chased us and they killed us, so be it. But we'll, we're willing to do what our master says. Amazing men, amazing men, loyal, loyal and faithful. Are you loyal and faithful? Or are you a turncoat and a coward? God has a way of bringing that out in our life, doesn't it? To find out whether we are loyal or whether we are a turncoat and a coward. Which are you? Which am I? So David went up, verse 30, by the ascent of the Mount of Olives, again going eastward, and he wept as he went up, and, and he had his head covered and went barefoot, and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went. And again, uh, having been to Israel, and if you've been to Israel, you know the landscape. As you're out there on the, on the Temple Mount, you, you can look out over that valley, and you go up, and you, the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane is there on the side of the hill, and then you continue rising, and you continue going, and... and uh, uh, Bethany is over here, and then Baharim, we're going to look at that a little later, is a little bit further away, and then you go across the Judean plains and the foothills, and you go right down into the valley of Jordan. And David is on his way, and this scene is just, it's just so picturesque in my mind. And incidentally, this is the same place as David comes up the hill there to the Mount of Olives, it's the same place where Jesus suffered in the garden. It's also the place near where he ascended 40 days after his resurrection in Bethany, on that same mountain, not too far away, about two miles. Same place. Verse 31, Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God. There was Hushai, Hushai is his name, and the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. And David said to him, If you go with me, then you will become a burden to me, Hushai. In other words, you are a liability for me if you come. You're a great friend, but I can't have you come with me. I don't know what Hushai looked like. He may have been an older man. And maybe David saying, You know what? You're better off just going and submitting yourself to my son. Just, you know, you have no reason to be out here. We don't even know where we're going yet, Hushai. Stay back. And preserve yourself. He says, verse 34, But if you return to this city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was with your uh, father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then, may, then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And you remember, we looked at Ahithophel last time we were together. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, David said, the priests with you there, my other moles? <laughs> They're there with you, Hushai. Zadok and Abiathar, their two sons, and you, five of you at least. You guys listen and let me know what's going on and send word to me out in the plain. And indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimez, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So he'd be gathering intelligence with those four men. So Hushai, David's friend, look at that, underline that, it's such a wonderful thing. Hushai, David's friend, 
By the Spirit of God, it puts it in there, David's friend. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.